This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I just think if you cannot communicate your feelings to the person that you are seeing all the time, sharing a bed with, sharing meals with, all these things, then you need to find yourself a new partner. What's up, everyone? Welcome into the Open Late Podcast. I am your host, Drea Renee, and I'm so happy to have you here. We are doing a special episode today, Asking for a Friend. I asked you guys to write in some questions about love and relationship codependency that you had for me that you wanted to ask for a friend, just all the things. So today we're going to be going through those questions and giving you guys some answers. But before we get into that, guys, make sure that you hit that like, hit that follow, hit that subscribe so you can keep up with our weekly episodes. If this is your first time here, welcome in. This is the circle of acceptance, the place for the hot mess expresses, the black sheeps of love. I accept you. You are welcome here. And if you are returning, I missed you and we're going to have a great episode. So let's get into it asking for a friend. Thank you guys so much for writing, giving me all of your feedback, asking your questions. I really appreciate it. And I'm happy to get into, you know, the nitty gritty of love and relationship codependency. And again, if you are new here, that is what we are talking about on this podcast. Codependency and relationship addictions, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. And a lot of people struggle with it, but not a lot of people talk about it. So I am super passionate about this subject and getting everybody just to lose the shame and jump into the solution of getting back to yourself, getting back to making the relationship with yourself the number one priority before we decide to give ourselves in relationships like we all love to do. Okay. So we're just going to jump in and check out our first question. How did you first become aware of the concept of codependency and what impact did that realization have on your perception of relationships? My first realization of codependency probably happened in one of my five-year relationships that was very toxic and very off and on and very crazy. I think that was a time when I was in therapy And my therapist started throwing around some of these terms. Now, I've heard of codependency in my life, of course, but I wasn't really aware that I was engaging in codependent and addictive behavior within relationships. And me and my mother are very close. Some would call us (laughs) codependent as well. I think it stems from childhood. I am the oldest child. I had a lot of responsibility put on me. There was a lot of can you help me? Can you take care of? There was a lot of that when I was growing up. You know, my mother had me young, so there was responsibility put on me as a child. And I think that's when the seed was probably planted at some point and the people pleasing and not wanting to make anybody upset, wanting to fix everything, wanting to just keep everything nice and easy and not having the attention on myself. And when I showed up in romantic relationships, I just molded with the person and just sort of did what they wanted to do, became what they wanted to, and just made it all about them. So that was probably my first realization was in that five-year relationship. 
and it was through therapy and throwing around some terms. She suggested some programs and I started going to meetings and listening to other people who were experiencing the same things that I, that I was experiencing. And I had no idea about this concept of love and relationship codependency, love addiction. I had never heard of that. But I started listening to the symptoms and listening to what it was really about. And I thought, man, I have that. And not just in my romantic relationships. This shows up in work relationships. This shows up in friendships. This shows up in even simply something as simple as the grocery. I don't want to, the person behind me, I don't want them to have to wait too long if I'm looking for something in my purse. I'm always thinking about other people and putting myself on the back burner. And as a person who struggles with codependency relate to this, you know that once you're in that codependent cycle, it is really difficult to not be that way. It's really intense wiring where all you want to do is take care of other people, make sure other people are okay. And it can be really daunting when you are trying to take care of yourself. And that's the other thing too. So that's when I first became aware of it. And the impact that it had on my relationships was the second part of the question. And once I knew, and they always say there's a saying like, once you know, you can't unknow. And when you have awareness around your behavior and you're not acting mindlessly anymore, you're thinking to yourself, okay. Something is going on here. Something is amok, like something's not working. And so you want to be able to address it, but it's not easy to do that. You can have the knowledge and still operate in bad behavior or behavior that's not in alignment with what you want for yourself. I don't want to use the word bad, but behavior that's not in alignment for who you know you can truly be. And that is when that conflict becomes really heavy for a person. And you all know that feeling when your mind is telling you, hey, don't do X. This isn't good for you. Don't call X. Don't engage in, with X. All these things, right? And, and you still do it. That's when you really start to have that heavy, heavy inner conflict within yourself. And within my relationship at the time, going to therapy, getting all of these nuggets of new knowledge and then going and still operating in that relationship, it was really tough. It's still a struggle. This is an ongoing struggle. I don't know if, like I said in a few episodes ago, if it's ever magically fixed. I think you have the awareness and the time it takes to correct your behavior is a lot shorter. So if I find myself doing something that's old behavior, I can correct myself a lot faster within the day, within the hour versus within the year or within the month. So that's where the progress really, really shows up. But yes, I first became aware of this concept of codependency when I was in that five-year relationship and going to therapy in a real way. And that was the effect it had on me was walking into that relationship with that realization and still showing up to that relationship. That was really, really difficult. And if you're going through that, I feel for you. Okay, on to the next question. Can you share a turning point or breakthrough moment you had with love and relationship codependency and love addiction? I think the turning point for me came from going to meetings and realizing that I was not alone and 
there was a place where there were people who were feeling the same way that I felt, doing the same things that I was doing, having the same struggles that I was having. Uh, that was a big turning point for me because there was really a time and space where I felt really crazy in my behavior in that I was the only person in the world that was experiencing that. So that was a major turning point for me to go to those meetings and think to myself, oh my gosh, there are other people who are experiencing this exact same thing. I am not alone. This is not something that just Drea is doing. There are tons of people having this struggle. And that was really life-changing for me because it gave me the hope that I'm not crazy, one. And two, there is a place to learn how to correct my behavior and learn some new things, learn some new ways to put myself first. And when that happened, I really started to plant those seeds to make those changes because it's really difficult when you don't know what is happening and you don't have the language, you don't have the education at that moment to kind of pinpoint what is going on. You don't really understand why these things are happening. And that can be really, really jarring. And that's a really, really crazy place to be. But I've been there. I get it. To everyone listening out there, if you are struggling in a moment where you think I am the only person dealing with this, you are not. I promise you, you are not the only person dealing with that issue. And that was a very, that was a big turning point for me because I didn't feel alone. And I knew then that there were people who were working the program, making changes and changing their lives to focus on themselves and not completely lose themselves in a relationship. So that was a major turning point for me. Okay, let's check out the next question. How did love and relationship codependency affect your professional environment, industry, or vice versa? Well, love and relationship codependency completely affected my professional environment in the way that I would cater everything towards my person. So work was not as important. I would call into work. I would do whatever I needed to do to make sure I could see that person, hang out with that person, and they could come see me, make it easier for them, all those things. That was the most important thing to me because I really just wanted to be with that person. So obviously, I definitely got let go <laughs> from a few jobs at a few different times in my life. And not just for love and relationship codependency, there were also some other outside issues that were affecting things as well. But combining all of those things and the love and relationship codependency, it was just a hot mess. That's why I always say my hot mess expresses, you are welcome here because I totally get it. So if you're mixing substances, alcohol, you know, love addiction, it can be a crazy, crazy Ferris wheel. I mean, it really can. You're just spinning and you're spinning and you're spinning. But there is hope and you can get off. But yes, it definitely affected my work for sure. Just calling in, changing my schedule, asking people to pick up my shifts, all the things. Now, take out the love and relationship part and just talk about codependency. Oh my gosh, I it absolutely affected me at work because when you are a people pleaser and you struggle to say, no, I can't work that shift or no, I can't do that, that can also be really difficult for people who struggle with codependency because you just want to make sure everybody else is okay all the time. And that shows up in all aspects of your life. And when you really start setting those boundaries and saying, hey, no, I used to just try one no for the day. 
it, it's something super simple, you know what I'm saying? And and it would really start to build that self-esteem for myself because it's really important because you start realizing you're just putting yourself aside. And as you are putting yourself aside, everybody else is putting you aside. And that's when the resentment starts to build because you start thinking to yourself, why doesn't anyone see me? Why am I so invisible? And the thing is, you aren't seeing yourself. And once you realize that, your life will start to change because you have to start seeing yourself for others to see you. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Okay, those were all the questions for me. I appreciate you guys so much. We're going to move on into asking for a friend, literally asking for a friend. So here we are. My friend struggles with setting boundaries in their relationships. How can they establish healthy boundaries without feeling guilty or jeopardizing the connection? This is a great question. When you are learning to set these boundaries and you're struggling with this love and relationship codependency, you have to start small. It can be really overwhelming to take all this on. So I always think you do not want to give a person a laundry list of things to do when you're working on shifting your behavior. That can be very overwhelming and you go into shock mode and then you just end up not doing anything. That's usually how that lands where you think to yourself, okay, I, I'm not, I can't do all that. That's too much. So I would say start with something small, something as small as, hey, I'm going to just have a night to myself. See how that feels. Or if somebody wants to do something with you, your partner wants to do something with you, just say, hey, tonight I'm going to take a night to myself and just see how that feels. Start small. Don't start doing things that are insanely overwhelming. Or it could be as simple as your partner suggests a restaurant, you don't want to go there, you change your mind. Because I know some people struggle with codependency on that level. You just want everything to go smoothly. You don't want to ruffle any feathers. You don't want to make anybody upset because God forbid you make somebody upset, then the, you know, all the things. And then we just run down the rabbit hole. So I would say start small, right? And then also, hopefully you can communicate with your partner and let them know that this is something that you are working on. This is something you are trying. And hopefully you are in a subcommunicative relationship where your partner can hear you and understand that. But if you're not, because a lot of times us love and relationship codependents don't always pick the best partners. So if you're not, then start with something small. Start choosing yourself first. And then go from there. And then go from there. That's what I always suggest. Just start with something small. Communicate with your partner and see what happens. It's going to feel weird. It's going to feel weird. I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to feel weird. But it is possible. You can do it. I promise you. Okay, next question. A friend is worried they've become too dependent on their partner. What steps can they take to reclaim their independence and still maintain a strong relationship? Ooh, I've been here. Oh, I mean, when you're in a relationship especially if you're dating another person that's codependent and you guys decide to mold together and you just stay there and you do the thing and everything. Oh, it could be really hard to step away and start 
getting some independence for yourself. It can be really difficult, but there is a space in a relationship to have some healthy independence. And it really helps you get back to yourself if you are lost in a relationship. And sometimes when it's two people that are just full on that way, you don't even know that you're lost until something happens and you look up and you haven't spoken to your family, you haven't spoken to your friends because you're completely enmeshed. And at times that can be really wonderful. And there is a time and a place for that. There is a time and a place for that, to be in love, all the things. But I think keeping that awareness of who you are and what you really want for yourself is the most important thing. So steps you can take to reclaim your independence, stepping away for a night, spending a night at home, calling your friends, go hang out with your friends, or just go on a walk by yourself. Go see what that time feels like alone, even if it's just an hour. And again, communicating with your partner, I think is very important if they can take that information because you have to know who you're dating. You have to know what they're able to receive, where they are in their growth and how you guys communicate with each other. All these things are very important. Okay, you guys really got some good ones. A friend of mine is afraid of being abandoned and as a result tends to be overly clingy. How can they address this fear and create a more secure foundation in their relationships? Ooh, okay. Well, I understand the overly clingy. (laughs) I'm I'm a recovering clinger. I finally learned the importance of independence and spending time alone. I'm all about that first moments of being together and, you know, meshing and doing all the things, but I completely understand the beauty and the value of spending time alone. Oh man, I, I think back to when I just thought you meet a person, you move in together and you stay together all the time. Why would you ever need to be apart except for showers, sleep and work and all the things. But for me, I used to think, I'm sorry, why do you want to go hang out with your friends? Why don't you want to hang out with me? Thank baby Jesus. I am not doing that anymore. But there was a time where I did not understand that I need to go hang out with my friends. I need to go do something by myself. And that fear of abandonment, I absolutely understand that. Oh, do I understand that so deeply. And when you feel like you're going to be abandoned at any time, you just latch on more tightly. I think it's important to think of a time where maybe somebody did that to you. Because I I, I think when that's happened to me and it was the the reverse way, because when people do that to me, I've tended to become more of the avoidant because that's how those attachment styles work. Anxious attacher will turn into an avoidant and the avoidant will turn into an attacher if everybody plays different roles. It's really very interesting how all of these things show up. It really, really is. But to address that fear, you have to just lean into that head on. Again, everything I've said today, it's all about communication. It's all about communication. And hopefully you're in a situation where you can communicate effectively with your partner, but a lot of times we are not. And people are still on these very, very deep healing, growing journeys and figuring out how to communicate effectively. I will say, once you realize that the tighter you hold on to something, the more it's going to want to just get away from you. And people are not attracted to that energy. People are not attracted to that energy. Having self-respect, having boundaries, creating your space, that is what is attractive. And if you are feeling those feelings of being abandoned, you have to do your own self-work. You have to do your own self-work, period, point blank, end of the story. 
That's the only way. If you were looking to your partner, if you were looking to everybody else, which is part of that codependency style, to fix you, to figure it out for you, that is not going to happen. So you have to find the space to have that communication with your partner, okay? That's the first step. Because if you can do that, that will help ease that abandonment feeling. It will absolutely help ease that abandonment feeling. And then you got to think about the level of trust that you have with your partner. Because sometimes we're clinging on because we don't want them to go and do other things with other people because we think they're going to do something. And at the end of the day, my friends, let me tell you, if a person's going to cheat, they're going to cheat. They'll figure it out. Okay. So that's something else I had to learn. It doesn't matter how much you watch them or whatever the case may be. You are never going to be with somebody 24-7 of every single day. It is not possible. So if that person wants to do something, and even if they are with you every single day, trust me, they can still find ways to do things. So lean into being present, enjoying that person for that space that you have together, and working on yourself through those abandonment issues that you have that are causing you to latch on so tightly. Because I've learned as a recovering clinger <laughs> that nobody likes to be latched onto that tightly. And if you're both latching onto each other tightly, it will crash and burn. It will. It's very important to have your space. Even if it's just an hour, it is very important. So find some esteem within taking that space for yourself. Ooh, okay. I love this one. My friend struggles to communicate their needs in relationships, fearing it might drive their partner away. How can they express themselves without creating tension? Ooh, this is a good one. I'm always a proponent of communicate. Tell them. Even when I was way unhealed and hadn't done the work and was all over the place, I still communicated. At times, it did take a little liquid courage, but I still did it. But now that that's not the case anymore, I just think if you cannot communicate your feelings to the person that you are seeing all the time, sharing a bed with, sharing meals with, all these things, then you need to find yourself a new partner. That's what I have to say about that. Now, I know there are times when it's difficult to communicate certain things, but we have to ask ourselves, who are we with? Why am I not able to communicate with this person? Are you scared that they're going to blow up on you? Or are you scared they're going to ghost you? Or are you scared they're going to shut down? These are all things that we have to ask ourselves because at the end of the day, communication is a key foundation to relationships. I always say, whatever you and your partner want to do, whatever communication style, whatever setup dynamic you have in your relationship, if two people are showing up wholly as themselves and it's working for them, I don't care what it is, as long as you're not hurting animals and children, obviously, or abusing each other physically. But whatever it looks like for you, it's like, do it if two people are happy. It's already crazy enough being on this planet as it is. You find somebody, it works, you guys get along, do the thing. So being able to understand who you're with is very important in figuring out how to communicate these struggles that you're having in the relationship. Now, if you're dating somebody that is a hothead, a ghoster, a shutdowner, all those things, my advice would be start with something small. Start with something small and go from there. Maybe think about how you're going to communicate it, when you're going to communicate it, the setting, and, and things like that. Because I feel sometimes if you're in, maybe if you're in a restaurant, that'll be better than you guys sitting at home and you have the opportunity to just blow up and fight. Do you understand? So maybe being around people, these are things to, to consider. But I think the most important thing is to ask yourself, who am I dating? Why am I not able 
to communicate what I need to communicate to this person. Now, if you have some issues on your own and you cannot communicate effectively because maybe you have some childhood stuff or, you know, things of that nature, maybe write it down. There is really a cathartic experience from putting pen to paper. Putting pen to paper, really cathartic. So maybe write a note. It sounds simple, but it could really be life-changing. Write a note. Get all your feelings out that way. Do a note section, you know, however you need to do it. But hopefully you can communicate all the things you need to do with your partner. And go practice on a friend. Tell a friend first. You know, I I do that sometimes. I run some things by my friends and then, you know, take it to your partner. But definitely make sure that you're communicating to your partner, especially if it's a big issue. Okay, so this is one of our last questions. This has been so good. I love this asking for a friend. You guys, please keep these comments and questions coming. I really appreciate them. They've been so amazing and so just, I learned so much. I mean, I hope you guys are too. Okay, our last question. Is there any hope for things to get better or am I stuck feeling this way about love and codependency indefinitely? Oh my gosh, yes, there's hope. I am living proof that there's hope. There's absolutely hope. And that's why I stated what I said at the beginning of this episode was that me finding other people that had already gone through the things that I was actively going through and they they were already on the other side was so life-changing for me because I remember so vividly crying in the shower thinking, oh my God, I am never going to not feel this way. Or I'm always going to feel this pain for this person that's not doing the thing that I need them to do. I've devoted my life to you. Why won't you do what I'm asking you to do? You know, all the things. And one of the most important things I realized is that you cannot love someone to death, meaning you can't love your way into their hearts if they don't want you there. It's there or it's not there. And it's the most painful realization, but it's a true realization. You cannot love someone into someone's heart if they don't want you there. And I remember when I first heard that, I was devastated. Oh, I was devastated. But it's true. It's true. It's absolutely true. But it does change. As much as, you know, this phrase drives me up the wall, time does heal. It does. Things change. I mean, thank God I'm not still crying about the guy I was upset about when I was 17, and I remember that cry very vividly as well. These things do change. It moves. So whoever is hurting you right now, whoever is making you sad, whoever is not texting you back, just remember this pain that you're feeling will shift. It will not always feel this way. It will not always feel this way. And that's that's the beautiful thing. That's the sad thing about all feelings. They ebb and flow. So you have to let go and let the universe do whatever it's going to do. Make sure you're taking care of yourself and you're taking action, but it will change. It will change. You just, you have to do the work. You have to do the work and you have to show up for yourself. End of story. That way you can start planting those seeds, creating that new wiring where you are focusing on you. You're focusing on you. You're building your self-esteem, figuring out your worth and your value. So then you're not ending up with partners who aren't seeing your value, who aren't seeing your worth. And you're valuing yourself and you want to do the things that are necessary for you to succeed and be your best self. And again, it's not perfect. I know that. It's a long journey for all this, but as long as you're on it and you're aware, you're doing the right thing. Thank you guys so much for lending me your ear. I appreciate you. And as always, this is the circle of acceptance, the place for the hot mess expresses, the black sheeps of love. You 
are welcome here. And if you are new, please come back and hang out with us. And if you're returning, I will see you guys all again soon. I'm Drea Renee, and this is Open Lake. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.